Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from Atlantis to San Diego, California, and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me, as always, is Steve Haller. What is up, Steve? Well, uh, Comic-Con is back to the comic roots, so that's a plus. Uh, unfortunately, it's crazy? at the expense of the writers and actors uh, in Hollywood. So it's a blessing and a curse yep. of what we've got going on. But uh, we're here to yeah. talk about all of it. Yep. Uh, yeah, still striking. I don't think I don't remember any big updates this week. I mean, I didn't. Put no, any not really. Rundown. No. I just wanted to make sure um, we mentioned them because, well, we're still, still on there. Still happen. Yep. Yeah, and um, I was when we recorded last week. I wasn't sure how much there was going to be to talk about this week. Like we knew Comic Con was coming, but we're like we're going to do a whole episode on comics. Of course, we could do a whole episode on comic announcements, but um, we usually just do a bunch of different stuff, different kinds of announcement for different media. So um, we were talking comics tonight for sure, but surprisingly there are a good amount of non-comic related announcements that came out this week for us to discuss as well. However, I'm sure it's going to dry up sometime soon. As we mentioned last week, Steve and I uh, are batting around some ideas of things to cover in the meantime or uh, you know, small, small pivots of content if the news really does dry up. Um, yeah, we do at least have one special guest lined up and uh, ready to rock. So, yeah, more more to um, come. I have an idea that I'm really excited about, but it would I don't know if we can pull it off. OK, that's all. I bet say. we can. pull. And it I, off. I, I, I think we, we could. I have no idea what this idea be, is, but I'm sure I know I haven't said to you at all. I just <laughs> it's uh, it would just be a lot of fun. And I think it would be a very listenable experience. Right. Um for our listeners but it would just there would be more involved than um i don't our, know our maybe usual. Too much involved. all right we'll figure it then out our usual. i will say it's star wars related star wars related oh, okay so so it might be worth might be worth it right yeah might absolutely yeah anyway all right yeah strikes are still striking ceos still being greedy as hell and this podcast still sponsored by Funky Town Comics in Camillus, New York. Go check out Funky Town Comics for all your comic book needs. Um, also, toys and records, com- uh, Funky Town Comics and vinyl. Mm-hmm. They're called that for a reason. They got yep. records. They got toys. They I got just everything. Picked up the new Rancid album from them the other day, so they Ooh. do in fact have vinyl. That's a cool record. There's like 16 songs in that record, and it's less than a half hour long. Yep, that's sounds about right we're going back to the roots awesome <laughs> yep exactly um okay let's see hold on i just need to close something on my computer because i feel like i'm glitching a little bit i don't know if it'll help if i streamline what i got going on here anyway uh we got a good amount of dc news some of this came out uh this weekend during san diego comic-con um and some of it uh did not um I guess none of it came directly from San Diego Comic-Con. I think they probably just waited to this weekend to announce things because they knew that there would be a lot of like interest in nerdiness happening. Yep. Like the Marvel's trailer we're going to talk about later. Um, like they didn't have to release that this this weekend, but it's a, certainly a good weekend to do it because people are talking about comics. Um, so we are going to cover, we're going to talk about Aquaman here in a second. We're going to talk about some DC animated stuff. We're talking about the trailer for the Marvels. We're talking about trailer for the new Spider-Man 2 game. 
update on Invincible, a bunch of comics news. Steve and I are going to be reviewing a new comic that's coming out this week called Children of the Comet. And we're also going to talk about Eisner winners. Um, and then we'll wrap things up. And then immediately after this show, we will do our... Hello, dog. We're going to welcome, do our recap of... <laughs> Yeah, uh, or do a recap of Secret Invasion episode five. Uh, if you saw the um, Instagram reel that I posted about that, you may know. Spoiler alert on my feelings about the show, um, but we'll be uh, doing a quick recap of that afterwards. So stick around for that if you're watching live. Uh, let's dive into this. No pun intended. Let's dive right in to Aquaman two. Um, we got an update from the Hollywood Reporter this week saying that apparently Aquaman 2, which we have heard rumblings of being terrible. Um, uh, but now I don't know. I may, I don't know. Maybe it's still terrible. We don't know. Steve's going to check on his dog. That's why I was stuttering for a little bit. Um, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom has gone through extensive reshoots and three rounds of reshoots. Uh, which is, according to this article, almost unprecedented, even for a movie of this like size and scale. Like every big budget movie does reshoots. They write it into the budget. They write it into the schedule. Like reshoots, just they happen all the time. And I feel like there was a while, uh, a few years ago, pre-COVID, I feel like there was um, a, a movement of people online to whenever they heard a movie was going back to reshoots, just assuming that meant that it was bad and they had to fix it. But like. No, sometimes you just need to, you forgot to get a shot of an outside of a building or you forgot to get a shot of somebody walking from one place to another. Like you just got to do short things like that. They're not always like extensive plot fixing reshoots. But if you're going through three rounds of reshoots, I got to think that this uh, has, there's been some real, real changes in this movie so far. Apparently in late 2022 and early 2023, the film had its first two rounds of reshoots, um, and that happened after some uh, less than positive, maybe even negative test screenings. Apparently, they've been testing this movie like crazy, showing it to a ton of people. Then um, more recently, they had a third round of reshoots after it was shown to Peter Safran and James Gunn. So Gunn and Safran themselves suggested a third round of reshoots. Hi, welcome back, Steve. Hi. Still talking Aquaman. Um... Uh, apparently, so I, so I guess this third round of reshoots was suggested by James Gunn. I think he gave specific notes, and the studio approved like a five day reshoot. Um, so I mean, hopefully this is the last uh, fixes they're going to have to make. Um, apparently, some of the things that are still like up in the air include um, cameo from Bruce Wayne, and we if longtime listeners might remember we talked about this a while ago how initially. Michael Keaton as Batman was going to make a cameo. That was back when uh, we were pretty sure that Warner Brothers wanted, uh, this was actually confirmed this week, that apparently the previous regime at Warner Brothers wanted Michael Keaton's Batman to uh, continue as Batman in the mainline DCU after The Flash and wanted to treat him like Marvel treats Nick Fury or treated Nick Fury in the first like three phases of the MCU where he would just show up, advise a character, but not really be part of the story moving forward. I think that's a cool idea because I love Michael Keaton as Batman. I don't think it's a great idea because I would rather just have a full-time Batman all the time that is interacting with the Justice League. Um, a Batman but anyway, Batman. exactly. Uh, but that was switched because the release date 
got changed. And uh, suddenly, um, Aquaman was coming out before The Flash, so that didn't make sense. So Ben Affleck came back to reshoot, basically shooting, I think, the same scene as Keaton did, just with Ben Affleck, so it would make more sense. But then releases got moved again, and Aquaman now is coming out months after The Flash, and so now nobody knows if it's even in there. It might just be completely cut um, because... You know, James Gunn and Peter Safran are starting to build this new world. They don't want to be referencing people that aren't going to be in that world as cameos and, you know, lead the audience to think that, you know, Ben Affleck is going to continue when he's definitely not or Michael Keaton's going to stick around when it seems like he's definitely not anymore. So that might be cut completely. Apparently, the film was originally greenlit at $205 million, but excessive reshoots, um, plus the fact that apparently, according to this Hollywood Reporter article, Every frame of the film features visual effects. Every frame of it. Um, so those two things have likely caused a substantial increase in that number. Be very interested to see the final budget on Aquaman 2. Yeah, for um, anyone who didn't see uh, myself, I was just sitting here shaking my head while Mike was yeah. reading that about the visual effects. I can't yeah. comprehend that. That just seems dumb, excessive, and over the top but yeah whatever it does but if you look at aquaman there's a ton of visual effects in that movie too and a lot of those effects are great like it looks really good atlantis looks good um all like the fighting and like the stitch together of like the camera movement to make it look like one long shot they do that a lot in that movie and it, those look great like oh, aquaman yeah. i've said before aquaman is a great looking movie like the dialogue is not good but i it's super fun to watch just because it looks amazing um, right, but and it's super have, fun. So if you have two hundred five cut into this as a as a green light, and then substantial reshoots causing increase in budget, yeah, they shot the way of water for two fifty. Yeah, like I for whatever your thoughts are on the way of water, I could I could opine on this uh, for a bit because I just finally watched just it, finished um, it, yeah, but it's uh you know th this compared to that i i can't even imagine that was a visually stunning film it sure. was a very rote repetitive film from a plot standpoint and what was going on on screen and i didn't really yeah. enjoy it at all but it was really really pretty <laughs> i thought i yeah, was no, three I'm not hours saying of my that... life watching that film <laughs> because wow, okay. every every single plot point was something you could discern from just having watched another movie at another point Wow, okay. It was extremely really? rote, and it really bothered me. <laughs> but, wow. you know, it All was, right. I can understand people seeing it in the theater and it being visually stunning. Sure, yeah. But again, much like the first Avatar, I'm going to watch it once. Once, and that's going to be it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, we were just talking recently about how, like, they're, they're spending, seems like they're spending too much money on movies. And a lot of times, based on the facts that we talked about the strike last time, it seems like maybe a lot of times these studios are just investing this much money because they know they can repay themselves out of their uh, LLCs right. that they set up um, uh, and then just keep it in debt perpetuity and in perpetuity and just keep making money on their own loan, which right. is insane. Well, not having should to pay be, taxes on it and the whole night. Yeah, yeah. seemingly should be criminalized. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I don't. I don't think movies need to cost this much money. Um, no. Uh, so I, I'll be interested to see how it looks. Hopefully, it looks great. After all of this, there was also saying that there was some 
um, some of the reason that it was pushed was that there was stress being put on uh, the visual effects houses, which we know is happening a lot in Hollywood. Um, um, you know, Marvel, I'm looking at you. Uh, but now, also because of the strikes, it's being currently rumored that Warner Brothers is considering delaying Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, pushing it, um, along with the Color Purple remake that they have coming out in December and Dune Part 2. Um, and they're so, thinking of Dune pushing these. I would have expected that to be in like full-blown post at this point. No, not because of VFX. They're thinking of pushing them because they know their content is going to dry up because uh, of the strikes. Uh, and so, sense. you know, if they have a movie out next, you know, spring when nobody else does, then they're going to clean up. If Dune doesn't come out till May and whether or not the strikes revolved at that, like whether or not the strike is resolved, there's not going to be like new right. stuff coming out, you know, by then. So like, um, you know, they could be cleaning up if they push one of these big blockbusters. Um, so I don't know. I, that's just a rumor that it was according to this um, article. So who knows what will happen. But um, I'm interested to see this movie. I'm definitely going to go see it in the theater. I know, like, it's probably not going to do great because people are looking at these late stage DC movies as just being, like, unnecessary. Uh, there's an in insane amount of hate for a good movie like the flash and blue beetles tracking kind of low. Yeah. I didn't think blue beetle was going to make like a billion dollars or anything, but um, you know, I was hoping that it, I, I still hope that it does well, but I don't have a, I think Aquaman one making a billion dollars was a surprise. Yeah. I don't think anybody expected it to make a billion dollars. And I don't know if, I don't know if that audience is still there for Aquaman two. You know what I mean? I don't All know. Right. I, I don't know. They might have gotten might have gotten bitten the uh, the ass a little too much between Aquaman and now to still be hanging around. Yeah, yeah. Or like me, they were like, "Yeah, Aquaman looks great, but uh, it's a bad story." So it was. Or the, yeah. So the the dialogue's terrible. So I'm not going to go see a sequel. You know. Um, how, how do all we'll these see. How do all these movies waste good talent on shitty scripts? I don't know. You have Yaya Abdul Mateen as black manta yeah. and great casting. what what are we doing with this yeah well he's supposed to be in the second one too yeah and i hope that he gets some good stuff to stuff to do because i loved him in the first one yeah. i thought he the fact that they didn't shy away from that insane costume with a giant helmet that oh, shoots yeah. lasers out of its eyes yeah. i was like this is lean right into awesome. it yeah honestly like talking about it is making me want to watch it again like it just <laughs> looks so fun and cool and bright amazing colors like yeah. I love it. So I don't know. Maybe I will love Aquaman 2. Who knows? Who knows? And maybe maybe the studio is spending this much time on reshoots and spending much money on it because they know it's there's a it's promising, mm -hmm. like that it's not so far gone. You know, if, I feel like if it was like it was so far gone, they're like, yo, we're not going to green light more reshoots. This movie's bad. No amount of reshoots can fix this movie. But if they've gone through three rounds of it, then I feel like they think that there's a possibility to pull it to, you know, to pull out of the dive yeah. and uh, pull it off. So hopefully, you know, I'm, I try to be a positive person, so I'm going uh, to assume that that's the reason. Well, but, let's take but, that positivity you know. and move to something that Warner usually and DC usually can do decently. Yeah, very well. Uh, DC animated films, DC animation usually crushes it. There's, there's some clinkers in there, but um, a lot of their DC animated films are well worth watching yeah. for sure. They're um, they're head and shoulders above their live action. 
Uh, some of their live action. You know what I mean. If you're taking the I breadth did, yeah. of the live action versus the breadth of their animation, I'll take their animation every single day. I think what you're, yeah, I know what you're saying. I think you're saying that the the peaks and valleys of the live action is not, the, the peaks and valleys of the live action is way more um, separated than the peaks and valleys of the animated right. films. My like, so my brother-in-law DC's and I, got really high highs and really low lows. Yeah, and it's not quite as divergent in the animation. Yeah, my brother and I were, or my brother-in-law and I were actually talking about that today about like beer and breweries. How it's like I'd much rather take something that's a solid B to A range than something that gives me like an A plus and then a, a D. Oh, okay. And it's like give me that consistent quality versus the peaks and valleys. Right, right. So, like, you know what? And that might be accurate to the general movie-going public based on what we're seeing, how, yeah. like, no one went to see The Flash, which is a good movie, but they tasted so many, you know, mm-hmm. F-level beer m- beers. <laughs> movie beers? <laughs> movie beers, if this analogy is getting away from me. But, yeah. um, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I really like that Wonder Woman beer and that uh, the Suicide Squad beer was pretty good. But, you know, and that Shazam beer was pretty good. But I really hated that Batman versus Superman beer. Right, and, I actually vomited uh, after Justice League. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah and I never want to taste uh, the first Suicide Squad beer ever again. So <laughs> I'm not going to take a chance on the Flash beer. Right. Um, you know, yep. moving forward. Did we nail that analogy? Is that a th- is that we made it an analogy? Did we crush it? <laughs> We crushed Maybe the beer, Mike. Fisted. We crushed the beer. <laughs> we crushed it. That's right. Uh, anyway, DC has announced two new animated features in 2024, and they are adaptations of two highly praised comic book stories, one being a little story called Watchmen, and the other one being a little giant crossover event called Crisis on Infinite Earths. So uh, Watchmen is the... Uh, just seminal uh, graphic novel series from Alan Moore and David Gibbons. Um, yeah, it's just one of the greatest things ever written. I was going to say, if you, if you have not. not read it, go buy it yesterday. Yeah, it's cr- if you're listening to a, a show about nerdiness and comics and you haven't read Watchmen, you're in the wrong place. And or, also uh, along those lines, if you have not seen the HBO uh, adaptation uh, con- continuation sequel. Yeah. Well, there you go. Watch that. Yeah. But read the book first. Yes, very much so. And also don't watch the Watchmen movie. You can avoid that, that. I think. Yeah. Go back to the book. I know there's a lot of there's people out there that are big fans of that movie. There are. It just didn't. It just. Yes. Yes, there are. I learned something today. Well, you know, like, you know, Zack Snyder has his Mm, uh, very vocal fans. They're very vocal fan base. And I believe that they love that movie. And I think there's people that like that movie. But it's to me. It was all kind of surface level and didn't really get the depth of the novel. So, um, anyway, hard to hard to oversell Watchmen. It's great. Um, and Crisis on Infinite Earths is the first uh, big comic book event crossover that anybody ever, any Marvel or DC ever did. And uh, it was uh, used as a way that, that, you know, the crossovers happen today. If, you know, the universe gets out of control, storylines are spinning wildly and can't be controlled they do this big crisis event or whatever to like 
you know, either kill off characters or simplify titles or, you know, reset their universe, basically. That was the, the first one of those, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, and uh, I saw somewhere in the article that I read that, um, if you think about it, you know, James Gunn and Peter Safran are coming in and they keep saying that they are going to unify the DC universe within live action films, television, animation, and video games. It's possible that they could be using Crisis on Infinite Earths to close out the current DC animated universe mm. continuity that they have going on because the animated films all do take place in the same world. And it was only like a year or two ago that they stopped the previous continuity and started a new one. But now, um, seemingly, if, if, if the animation stuff is suddenly going to be a part of uh, the DCU... They're going to have to do a bit of a reset. I'm sure there's going to be like Elseworlds things, you know, like Joker right. or the Batman, whatever, um, animated wise. But um, the, this so, maybe this could be used to clean it up a little, though. Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. And they'd be silly if they didn't try to do that at least a little bit. Um, I am interested in the Watchmen thing because, as we know from the movie, because again, I'm not a huge fan of that movie. Uh, it's hard to adapt into a film. Might be easier in animation style to do than yeah. in live action. Um, I think people accept things like narration in animation more than they do in live action to get across like big story points. So like maybe they could lean on the narration a little bit more yeah. to like get some of that character um, development and like depth and stuff. But Watchmen is a beast of a book. There's all that like text at the end of all the chapters and stuff and tons of character stuff so it'll be interesting to see if they can pull it off now you've got me wanting to reread watchman again because yeah me too <laughs> yeah every, i don't know every time it comes up and like you go more than skin deep on like just mentioning it it, it always is like oh, i should i should pull that back off the shelf <laughs> yeah yep hmm. hmm may have to do that um anyway another interesting animated uh series or and project that was announced from dc this week um is a a series called dc heroes united it's going to be a new interactive streaming series and they didn't say this was going to be on max or anything it seemed like it maybe was just going to be like on a like a, a web series or something they didn't specify a service so i don't know um but it's from genvid media and warner brothers obviously dc heroes united is a series where quote the audience watching will determine what kind of superheroes our characters will become. Fans determine how Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman work together and whether they succeed or fail, leading up to the very formation of the Justice League. Make choices of morality, leadership, and sacrifice. Viewers will decide whether the Dark Knight and the Man of Steel work well together, whether they trust one another, and how much. Um, comic book artist Tony Dodson is working with DC on the project. Um, no release date or anything like that, but... That I feel like this is really cool. Seems cool. Conceptually, very cool. My son um, is a fan of a show on Netflix, a Jurassic Park spinoff called Cretaceous Camp Cretaceous. That's what it is. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous. That's a pretty intense show for like a kid show. Like there are times I'm watching it with him, and you know the jump scares work on me, not mm -hmm. just him. Like it's pretty intense. But they just put out a special, an interactive special where you like choose what the characters do next you just do it with your remote super oh. cool wow. um so there's certainly a way that you know 
HBO Max could do this uh, on the streaming service, but you know, they didn't specify. But have it to have it seemingly from this description really affect the outcome um, is a very cool idea that you could like because there's some things in like the Camp Cretaceous example. There are some choices you make where you can kind of tell like eh, I feel like you would have gotten to this same point anyway like ooh, do i climb right. the tree or do i climb up the rock okay well either way you're going to get to the top eventually maybe something different happens to you on the way up there but you're going to end at the same point but if they're saying you know they may not trust each other they might succeed or they might fail like you know what kind of heroes do they become like you have to map out so many different outcomes for things like that to really execute it well so that'll be interesting to see how they do yeah with that I've now written um, that down to uh, show to my son, so there we go. Uh, Camp Cretaceous. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's like I, get, I said, it's pretty intense. I don't know if you're, it's yeah. there are times. Maybe we'll give him some scary. time then. Yeah. Um, but it's very good. Like if it can, it's. Nice. I'm not a super Jurassic World fan at all. Um, but it sucked me in. It worked. Perfect. Got me. You know what else sucked me? In? Um, what's that? Watching the trailer for Harley Quinn season four. Yeah, which you still have not seen. Still haven't one seen one, two, or three. Like that, correct? Nope. Crazy. Every, every time it's I so watch good. these trailers, I'm like, I really need yeah. to watch this show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it it's looks great. really good. <laughs> it's really good. And uh, I mean, now if you're watching all these trailers, a lot of stuff from the first three seasons have been spoiled for you. But uh, as we are, will right. do right now in talking about the trailer, which is uh, funny. Because new trailer for... I don't know what got spoiled for me. Oh well, okay. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I, that's true. It's a complete non sequitur, no no connection to yeah, anything. So true. I'm just like, oh, it's yeah, cool good animation. Point. Good point. Uh, yeah, we got a new trailer for Harley Quinn Season 4. Season 4 of Harley Quinn comes out July 27th. It's the first full trailer that we've gotten. Picking up after the events of Harley Quinn Season 3 and the uh, just insane, over-the-top Valentine's Day special. Uh, we have Poison Ivy starting her first day as a member of the Legion of Doom. And we have Harley Quinn starting her first day as a member of the Bat Family. What? Yes. Quite hilarious. Harley Quinn, quite hilarious. Harley Quinn's trying to do some good. Poison Ivy's leaning into her villain side. How does that affect their relationship? That seems to be kind of the through line of the season is how do we maintain our love for each other? Or how do we make this relationship work when we are our jobs are putting us at odds with each other? Um uh, it's very funny to see Harley Quinn interacting with Nightwing, who in this show is portrayed as like a very stoic, black and white, straightforward, I am doing good and I am, you know, yep. nothing can stop me kind of person. Uh, and, you know, she's a mess right. <laughs> all the time, um, trying to do the right thing, not always succeeding at it. Um, I don't know. It Seemingly really usually funny. failing at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But trying her best. She's got like a cool looking, um, like a bat suit kind of Kinda, yeah. like a harley harley version of a bat suit in this in yep. this trailer is very cool um anything stand out to you in this trailer besides it being hilarious outside of the hilarity and the ridiculousness no uh i mean the a lot of it that you know catches your attention leaned into the harley and poison ivy dynamic and you know what yeah. was going on with the the legion of doom stuff with uh lex and his calves was uh <laughs> just so absurd that i was that that might have been one of those things where i'm like this is absurd enough that i need to watch this and also yeah. 
part of my problem is I feel like I need to watch this with my wife. Like I oh, feel like would it would hundred percent hit her comedic senses. Yeah. So uh my wife I think was a little resident to start it when season one came out, but mm -hmm. she quickly or I think I started it without her and then yeah. I was like, yo, you gotta you watch gotta this. See this. Just give it a chance. Just give it a chance. It's great. You yep. know? Um and she maybe I it. can use this to get her over her animation issues. And then Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah that could we'll do see. it. Um although she likes like, Archer, uh, so Oh, that's true. It's it's not dissimilar. It's like yeah. Archer, but just with superpowers. Right. You know, and yeah. zaniness kind that's of. That's a good sell. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like a hardcore feminism right. at the same time. Excellent. Uh, the, I love the line just commenting, Lex Luthor being a billionaire and having him be going to space. Oh, God. I yes, that was, was... Uh, great. <laughs> and Poison Ivy says something like, I hope the rocket doesn't like... look like a giant dick or something. And then it clearly does. Right. Oh, the follow up. <laughs> um, uh, the follow up to that. The follow up even. is from uh, Nora Freeze, who in this universe is unfrozen and alive, um, says, I hope the clouds don't have a gag reflex. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> really good line. <laughs> really good line yep um cool uh well that was one of four trailers we're talking about tonight mm -hmm. it does close the out our trailer. dc slate and it closes out our dc slate as we move into marvel town first trailer we're talking about two marvel trailers from different uh media first trailer is for the marvels the next big entry into the mcu sequel to captain marvel sequel to Ms. Marvel and sequel to WandaVision, kind of at the same time. So those are three characters um, coming together. Um, I'm going to throw it to you, Steve, first. What'd you think of this trailer for the Marvels? We got a teaser, and this is a trailer. It's not even <laughs> the, the teaser felt like a full trailer. I don't know. Yeah. Teasers, we've talked about this before, but like if your teaser is two minutes or more, it's a trailer. Just call it a trailer. Yeah. So. Um. I don't know. This is apparently the first full-length trailer, even though the teaser was pretty good. But what do you think, Steve? I think at least they didn't give away the entire movie. I think yeah. it looks like it has some semblance of promise, but I also, I don't know. I, I worry that they're going to be able to pull it all together from what we're seeing. But mm -hmm. in general, I'm still looking forward to the movie. Yeah, I think it looks good. I think it looks really fun. Yeah, um, it's I I guess when I my trepidation is more from the masses, like it definitely looks like what we've talked about where you can turn something like this into a very good popcorn movie and enjoyable experience. Sure. But it I don't think it's going to, you know, interconnect and interweave the entire Marvel universe like everybody seems to want to do nowadays. So, yeah, I, I think well, we want that to happen because that's what they conditioned us to right. expect. Yeah. <laughs> and, as, and as we talked about recently, they've kind of been dropping the ball on that. hundred percent. Yeah. But if you went into this, just looking for a, what, like you said, what looks to be a fun movie between these three superheroes and all trying to figure out how the hell each of them work together. Yeah. I, I think it'll be good. Yeah. I am trying to keep my expectations low um, although I really did enjoy this trailer. I think it like I think it looks really good. I think it looks fun because I you know you and I both liked the Ms. Marvel show, so yes. I'm excited to see her back. I really like Brie Larson as Carol Danvers. Excited to see her back. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the actress that plays Photon. 
Um, I definitely knew it when we were watch- covering WandaVision. Not but, Monica um, Rambo. <laughs> uh, yeah, not Monica Rambo. Um, and I, but I like her too. So I like all three. Um, I feel like for just from this trailer, Nick Fury feels more like Nick Fury in this movie than he does yes. in Secret Invasion. Um, Tiana Paris. Uh, Tiana Ferris, yeah, and um, I think it like, looks like the colors look great. Like it looks like it's shot really well. I like that there are clearly a lot of just people in costumes, real people in costumes, like real people in like cool makeup. It's not uh, all like there's a couple effects that looked a little wonky, but they still got time to tweak those. Um, uh, so I'm just keeping my expectations tempered because of the quality of Marvel stuff lately has been a little bit lower. But this trailer looks. It looks better to me than Ant-Man did. Um, it looks better to me than Secret Invasion is. Uh, yeah. And I'm trying to think of another Marvel thing recently that I didn't like. I like Guardians, so I can't um, really go back too far, I guess. Like, it looks better. Like, I didn't watch trailers for Thor, but it looks better than Thor did, um, I think. I think so it we'll also see. looks disconnected enough that there's there might be the lesser expectations. Yeah. Or like, yeah. le- I don't want to say lesser expectations because that really, the the connotation of that feels wrong. But I think you know mm-hmm. what I mean. I don't know how to. I. It's like you're saying like. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like my expectations ha- my expectations have been reset for the Marvel universe because of what we've been saying about how things feel less connected, things feel less important, quote unquote. I guess. Yeah. Um, then. You know, like, you know, in phase one and phase two, it was like you had to see every movie or you were not going to know what was going on. It was like a TV show. And now, like, I don't know, you could skip. I feel like so many of these movies and, you know, right. I could be wrong because we don't because we don't know where they're going yet. But like, how important was Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings to whatever's going to happen in the post credit scene of Captain Marvel or uh, the Marvels? Like, right. I don't know. I don't know. Um. But I liked it, and I think the reason that I like it is, you know, we're seeing Nick Fury interact with Captain Marvel, a character that's been around for a little bit now and that we are invested in because of her former appearances, and these two new ones that are joining her that we like from the TV show. Like, this is a movie that is helping to pay off stuff we've seen in the shows. Yeah. Which, so far, hasn't happened. Yeah. With the exception of doctor strange and multiverse of madness with wandavision but like that was almost like undoing what wandavision did you know and it, it didn't seem like like wanda went through this whole emotional journey in wandavision and ended up like seemingly exercising her demons and like realizing what she did was wrong and then turn the page and she's a villain again and wants her kids back like okay did you watch wandavision i don't know okay. um but this seems like okay you're taking characters that we were introduced in TV shows and bringing them into the film. So that's this inherently, I guess, and I'm just realizing this as I'm saying it, inherently seems like a step forward for the MCU rather than just spinning its wheels like it's kind of felt right. like for a while. For yeah, me. Does I that think, make sense? I think you're, yeah, I think you're onto something there. And it might, might latch on more to things, especially as we're seeing more cosmic and more, uh, right. more, uh, I guess, otherworldly things happen. Uh, beyond earth so mm. with with the you know the Cree seemingly being featured pretty heavily in this movie uh and the scrolls in secret invasion where are we going from here so 
I don't know, more to come. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that we saw a member of the Avengers talking to Nick Fury, you know, like, oh, oh we yeah. haven't seen that okay. in yeah. years. <laughs> we haven't seen that happen in years Yeah. in the MCU. So I was like, oh, great, They're right there. Cool. It's giving me Marvel feels like it should, yeah. you know? You know what else so, gave we'll see. the appropriate feels? The next trailer. What? The trailer for Spider-Man 2, the video game? Yes. The story trailer for Spider-Man 2. We got a teaser for this not long ago. Now we're getting a full uh, story trailer. This video game comes out on October 10th. Big fall for Marvel. Marvel's comes out on November 10th, and uh, but a month before that, October 20th, we're getting a Spider-Man game. Yep. Uh, so excited for this. Um, this literally was the most Spider-Man-looking thing I have seen in years. Uh, quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. As far as feeling and looking, and uh, they they hit all the notes. Peter felt like Peter. There was the like that was the first thing that nobody's written Peter like Peter in eons. I loved I watched this trailer twice. Yep. Both times I laughed out loud when there's like a craven henchman with like a bear skin yep. walking towards him and he goes, I didn't know there were bears in these woods. I <laughs> yeah. was like, that is such a great Peter Spider Man oh, line. It's 100% like that is a Peter Parker line. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. I loved it yep. so much. It was great. Um so this trailer, I mean, and like the post-credit scene of the first game, spoiler alert for this game, plus this trailer, both kind of make it seem like Harry Osborn is Venom. Am I wrong about that? That's what I saw from the trailer. And I I did a couple, I, I went back and rewatched it a couple of times and it was like, yeah. okay, I guess that's where we're going. I mean, it's a different, it's a vehicle, it's its own universe. So like they can yeah. take swings like that and it makes, it would, it would certainly be easier because they talk about Harry in the first game. He's not in the first game, mm -hmm. but you know, they talk about Norman. Is Norman in the first game? He might be in it, but he's not the bad guy. Norman's no. not like, like there's no goblin. Goblin in the first is game not in the first game that I remember at all. The big, the big bad ends up being Octavius. Um, so I think Norman is in the first game. He's in the post credit scene. Yeah, for sure. So, but I think because it's easier to tie a character we've he at least heard about um, as Peter's friend, it's easier to, it's easier for that to be Venom and for then for the characters to have that like interaction and like tension between them. You know, like it, it, it builds, it builds better drama. It's easier to hit the drama if you have an existing character become Venom other than like, okay, we got to do the legwork to introduce this Eddie Brock character and somehow build like, you know, you run into the Spider-Man three problem where you're introducing a right. brand new character somehow in the course of two hours, you have to get them to not only meet Peter Parker, you have to get them to hate Peter Parker you have to get the black suit onto Peter Parker and then off of Peter Parker onto Eddie. Like that's a lot of work to do for a brand new character. If it's like, Oh, this is Harry. This is Peter's best friend. We talked about him in the first game. So it makes sense that he's here and right. here he is. And there's already that drama once the suit goes on, you know? Um, so I think it'll work. Also, also it's a video game and it can take its time to tell a story. So maybe there's more to it. Maybe there is Eddie Brock. Maybe they do have the time to make that happen. Maybe Harry does become the green goblin or, you know, um goblin 2 or whatever right yeah could I mean, be a lot of this game that we don't know 
lot of options in there, and who knows what uh, what's going to actually come from it. I do like that they aged up Miles a little, and uh, I don't know what yeah. the time jump is, but it was good to see you know the two of them kind of interacting closer to peers than the original yes. the original games were. So yep, I like that. I like that quite a bit. Like it shows. You know, we got a little bit of this in the Miles game. We saw that, well, like, Miles gets his powers in the Spider-Man game. Yep. But there's just a scene at the end where he tells Peter that he's got the powers. But then in the Miles game, we know that they're, like, working together or have been, like, Peter's been training him. Right. And they reference this in the trailer, too. Like, you still, you're still going to have time for more tutoring? Yeah. Um, And I like that. But it, I like that scene where, yeah, he's introducing him to Harry. Like, they clearly hang out and are friends. Um. That's also cool because it seems like from the first trailer we got, the gameplay trailer, it seems like Miles is going to be a real source of realizing that something is wrong with Peter when he's got the black costume on. Like you need right. somebody else close to him to recognize a change in the behavior. And if that character happens to be the other playable character in the game, then that comes in makes handy. it yeah. narratively easier for sure. Yeah. Yep. So I'm curious if we get a, you know, Miles versus Symbiote Peter. Oh, I guarantee we probably will. Yeah. I bet we will. That's that'll um I hadn't thought about that until you said it, but yeah. it immediately it makes the most perfect sense that Peter's going to end up being um like a a boss like a boss at the end of a like level a mid, or something. Yeah. <laughs> a like stage. a mid, yeah. mid game mid, boss yeah. type thing and then For sure. the second I, half is Peter I, and Miles you know uh combating after a venom yeah um i will now that i'm thinking about it i will be shocked if miles isn't part of getting the suit off of peter right um probably and miles, miles and mj do something to get because we yeah. had the, the mj playable in the uh first one too oh yeah i forgot that was awesome yep. i like that a lot sneaking around um uh, yeah, I bet Miles will be integral to um, getting the suit off of him yep. somehow. Um, and can't wait. I don't know how. It'll probably take me a while to play through it. Still working on um, Jedi Survivor. Um, watching it well, with my son. Watching I was going to say, it depends on if you are able to start Spidey 2 without your son <laughs> seeing it or not. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> he loves watching me play the other two games, the Miles yeah. game and the Peters game. He just likes... And he, you know, he'll swing around New York City like he loves that yep. too. So he probably will want to play it with me. But he's also he's better now with Survivor. If like if I play without him, he just wants to know what he missed. Like that's uh, all. Okay. You know, he doesn't. It's not like not when it first started where either. it was. We have to be here at all times. Yeah, don't play it without me, Dad. Yep. I'm like oh, okay. Um, but I do think it'd probably be a cool inter. Like, I think he knows who Venom is. He knows who Spider-Man characters are. But he does. He like he doesn't know the story. I think that'd be a, right. a cool intro for him to see like oh there's a black suit it's making peter angry or you know whatever that'd be yeah. cool thanks spidey and his amazing it. friends yeah exactly exactly new and episodes of that drop in august oh true yep. oh, i didn't know that awesome no i'm lying to you mike yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh thanks spider-man and his amazing friends and thanks spider-man into the spider-verse and across the oh universe. yes absolutely for sure yeah which is crazy to think that our kids know miles more than peter yeah, I love it though. Yeah, it's great. Like, yeah, I mean, or they can just pick. Yeah, and you know, every every generation has their Spider-Man. Yeah, and our kids get to grow up with two. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Well, they get to grow up with an entire Spider-Verse of them. 
That's true. Yeah, millions and millions. Because maybe they, you know, want to hang out with Hobie. Oh, man. I would love more of him. <laughs> I loved him so much in that movie. I would love that more of Hobie. That was a Hobie. great portrayal. So cool. So cool. And speaking, speaking of, of great, great portrayals. portrayals. <laughs> okay, that was weird. <laughs> Did we say the same segue yep. at the same time? <laughs> oh, it's great. I knew if we just kept talking, we'd get to a good uh, segue jump off point. And we both heard it at the same time <laughs> and jumped on it. Invincible. Um, I believe this Steve, was you loved my this show. favorite uh, favorite animation coming out of last year. Was that what it was? Was it? I think it was. Ago? The, I think it was ago? two years ago. Yeah. It was, uh, it was we've been waiting a long time. Yeah. But yeah. But we did our yearly wrap up at the end of one year. And this was like your number one yeah. TV thing, I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, when we do our New Year's thing, um, I believe. Again, I don't. I'm. I feel like when Comic Con is huge and like big studios are there, like it's very clear in all the outlets what news is coming from San Diego Comic Con and what is regular news. I feel like it's less this year because yeah. people aren't viewing the comics announcements as like big announcements, so some of them aren't specified as being from San Diego Comic-Con. So I was about to say that I think this came from San Diego, but I also don't know <laughs> at all. So maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Does it really matter? No. And we're going to tell you that uh, Amazon has announced that season two of Invincible will finally return on November 4th. Shaping up for a pretty nerdy fall. We had a pretty nerdy summer, having a pretty nerdy summer. Uh, but we're getting the Marvels and a new Spider-Man game and uh, season two of Invincible. Uh, it's going to be a pretty fun fall. Um, new trailer for Invincible as well. Um, some it, it was kind of more focused on the voice actors that were returning, yep. which is smart because they have a pretty star-studded cast. Uh, Steven Yeun, J.K. Simmons, etc. Jason Manzoukas, Gillian Jacobs, yep. um, just a bunch of uh, great voice actors. Um, returning, oh, I thought I had it queued up. Um, I don't, but uh, they also specify at the end of this trailer that new voice actors that are returning or not are showing up for season two include Chloe Bennett, uh, Rob Delaney, Jay Farrow, Scott McNearney, Leah Thompson, Tim Robbins, Sterling K. Brown, Tatiana Maslany, Paul F. Tompkins, Ben Schwartz. Um, I think, uh, who else did I see? Oh, Phil Lamar, classic... Uh, voiceover mm. actor phil lamar like so they're really Calista stepping up flockhart. the yeah calista flockhart paul f Tompkins. mrs harrison ford herself love paul f Tompkins. he's the best um oh seth rogan obviously from season one yep. returning oh, um, the really pumping up that star-studded cast so i forgot this is one of those things where i was watching the trailer i was like oh yeah i really I really loved season one of this show. It was so good. Like, I forgot about it because it took so long yeah. to make the next season. And it was the same thing. I feel like, um, same thing with uh, Harley Quinn, season three, I think, and also Invincible, where they greenlit more seasons before they had even started working on them. So that's why it took two years to get more of those shows. Um, and uh, this is the first, first positive update for Invincible <laughs> in a long time. Um, and if you wanted that release date to be closer, if you're like, oh, I got to wait months till I get season two. Guess what? You don't have to wait months till you get more Invincible. 
um, already streaming on Amazon Prime is a new Invincible special, an hour-long special called Invincible Adam Eve, character voiced by Gillian Jacobs. In this special prequel episode, Samantha Eve Wilkins, aka Atom Eve, grows up out of uh, yeah, grows up out of place in her own family. When someone from her past re-enters her life, she discovers her tragic backstory and the origin and true potential of her powers. So, the side character um, or partner character—they were kind of working together for a while towards the end of that series of Invincible. Adam Eve gets her own special, a little bit of an origin story. And um, I will definitely watch this as soon as I can. I learned today yeah. that it w- existed and it was already streaming. It's already up. I learned when I pulled up the rundown right before the show. Yeah. So super cool. Yep. Um, and I don't remember, Steve. I know we. Pro- I'm sure I asked you this, but did you read the Invincible books? No. No. Yeah. It's zero background on it going on. Uh, well, that's. That's good for the series then, because you're not going to be spoiled by right. anything. Because it worked for me, because I read like the, maybe the first volume, but it did not go nearly as far in as the series did. So like I didn't even know. I think they maybe hinted at the end of the first volume that his dad was a bad guy, mm-hmm. but it didn't go so far. It's like the end of the first episode of Invincibles, him murdering all those um right the justice league or whatever the version of their the justice league or whatever right so um, we know and he doesn't know and he point. doesn't but and so i didn't even get that far in the book mm. i only read like the first five issues or something and i don't i don't think like i said i think they hinted at it but i don't think there's anything that egregious or i just don't remember it but so all the twists like that worked on me as well um as i did you so i'm excited for season two because uh, i know it was a pretty long-running book so i got a lot of stories to tell there you go. For sure. Speaking of stories to tell, we did get a bunch of comic news coming out of San Diego Comic-Con, which, as Steve said in the beginning, is, uh, for once in quite some time, about focused on comic books again yeah. and not just uh, big TVs and movies because of the strike. Um, currently no union for comic book creators. Sometimes every once in a while I hear people online talking about how there should be one, and there probably should be one. Yeah. But there isn't. Unfortunately, so we can keep getting all all sorts of comic book announcements. This first one is wild, but I'm very excited about it because <laughs> it just is the kind of wild and fun announcement that just seems like it'll be uh, just a super fun read. DC has announced a limited series called Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. And... Uh, it's coming out October 17th, 2023. The script by Brian uh, Buccaletto and art by Christian Deuce and Louis Guerrero. Covers by Drew Johnson. This is the kind of thing where I'm shocked it hasn't happened already. I feel like uh, I don't know if Warner Brothers still has the licensing rights to Godzilla. They did for a while. Godzilla and Kong came out on Max. So it makes sense if they still do because, you know, they own DC also. So, um, but like, why hasn't this happened before? And just seeing like the, the preview art of Superman going up against Godzilla, I was like, oh, that looks awesome. Of course I want to see Superman fight a giant mutated dinosaur. <laughs> like, that's amazing. I want to see Wonder Woman tie up King Kong in her lasso of truth. Like, that's just so fun. Uh, you know, Superman fights giant robots and giant monsters all the time. Um, so 
why not make one of them uh or two of them two of the most famous giant monsters of all time i think that'll be cool i hope that it doesn't turn into a uh a new uh, like another thing where oh, at the end they all team up against uh an even worse kaiju monster or something you know who knows steve left the room again so it's just you and me listeners how's everybody doing I assume you all responded to me during that pause. And I'll say, I hope you're feeling well. Um, now Steve is back. Hey, welcome back. Hi, dog was shredding something. Oh, dog. Yes. Settle down, dog. Um, we also got an announcement from Disney and Dynamite Comics announcing new Nightmare Before Christmas com- coming in 2024 from writer Torin Grubeck. Gronbeck? Gronbeck. Gronbeck. Um, I can't remember if I've... Have there been Nightmare Before Christmas comics before, to your knowledge, I Steve? I don't remember. I feel like there might have been, but I, lo- I love Nightmare Before Christmas. I think I'm somebody that saw it when it came out originally when I was a kid, and it just immediately shot itself directly into my heart. And it's lived there ever since. I love that movie. But I got to say... What are what is the continuation of that story? Like, is he just going to take over other holidays? Like, what's going on in Nightmare Before Christmas comics? What lore can't even is imagine. there? I mean, I'm sure that they can create something. Like, the characters are cool enough, and they have potential for other things. But like, is everything about stealing a holiday? Is everything holiday related? Or <laughs> Steal can it be... each and every holiday. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. I got you, bud. Uh, Steve's having some uh, pet problems, apparently. Apparent pet problems. Uh, so I'm on uh, I'm on solo duty. Back to just you and me. You and me, listener. Wherever you are right now, listen to this. Maybe you're at your house. Maybe you're at the gym. Maybe you're driving in your car. Just you and me. Just you and me. Anything you want to say to me? Say it now. Huh. Well to you dynamite comics also announced this week a comic sequel to the great the great and steve's put his headphones back on so perfect timing because you might have something to say about this comic sequel to the great army of darkness uh writer tony fleek fleeks and artist justin greenwood um are working on this series it is a direct sequel to the movie now there have been army of darkness comics for a a long time like pretty much any um almost any adaptation of the ash character pitting him up against other characters has been under a title that starts with army of darkness not evil dead which is weird you'd think there'd just be evil dead comic but there's been army of darkness like there was army of darkness meets blank for like a long time yep um but this they're saying this is a direct sequel to the movie the question that i could not ascertain the answer to from the article that I read was which ending they will be using because the article I read referenced both endings, but didn't specifically say which ending is going to be used army of darkness. Uh, there is a, the original ending was cut. The studio made him change the original ending, um, to the one where he's back working at S Mart and kills a deadite and it's super cool. And you get the classic hail to the King baby line. Like yep. it's amazing. I love that ending. The other ending, the he's coming back uh 
to his normal time it goes wrong and he sleeps way into the future and the world right. is just like destroyed or whatever so i don't know how you do both of those for sure unless he somehow comes back after the apocalypse finds a way to get back but who knows yeah, they'll find some way um, to, some way to weasel find around, some way but... yeah uh this is a series that i would definitely be interested in i think um i love evil dead i just watched an evil dead movie the other night um i love it there's no bad entries in the film series uh, the comics I've never jumped into, but if it's going to be a thing where it's a direct sequel to the film, um, it's got a little bit more of my attention than like, I think they did like a army of darkness versus Freddy versus Jason series or something. And I was just like, Oh, I don't know if I want to read that. Like, I don't know. That's just a little too much for me. So, um, this is looking a little bit better. Steve interested to see your opinion on this. Rob Liefeld returning to Marvel to write a series eye roll big eye roll and head shake from steve on the mention of rob liefeld returning to marvel to write deadpool batter blood rob liefeld is the creator of deadpool wrote for marvel for a very long time this is a series that promises to be less humorous more and a more violent return to the character's roots uh when deadpool was first introduced as a member of x-force he wasn't necessarily a jokey wisecracker he might have been a little bit of wisecracker but he wasn't like fourth wall breaking zany um insanity like we see in the uh ryan reynolds films so uh um, so in the immortal Steve, words you... of ryan reynolds but why like but why? who who wants a less zany more violent deadpool in 2023 i don't know not me like are we what are we reverting to here like what does what does rob liefeld and or marvel think that people are going to want out of this Deadpool. Like I don't know. It it seems like people might pick it up and say, wait, why isn't he being funny? Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially yeah. coming off the, you know, leading up into the movie. Yeah. Like why? Why are we doing this? I don't know. Like I don't know. Take Maybe the, like take the mouth out of the, the merc with the mouth. Was the current uh, was the current book like not selling well? Maybe like maybe they felt like they needed to switch things up, or maybe they wanted to give him this like limited series, and then they'll put a regular one back up by the time Deadpool three comes out. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Rob I mean, Liefeld is the kind of guy where like I respect the work that he's done, but I feel like every time he opens his mouth, he says something that I wish I didn't hear him say. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And even the work know. that he's done, like looking back on it, is like eh, okay, it's still, still pretty reductive. Yeah, it yeah. was it was the early nineties. Yeah, early nineties. Lots of pouches. Yes, many pouches, many yeah awkwardly drawn feet. Yeah, um, uh, awkwardly drawn um, people. Well, yeah, um, women included, like ridiculous, insanely tiny waists. Fergus on agrees. A lot of his female characters. Fergus, I know you're barking because you agree with me. And thanks, bud. Appreciate your chiming in. Um, last uh, comic book update before we get to Eisner winners. Superior Spider-Man gets his own ongoing series. We talked about Superior Spider-Man recently because they announced a returning, uh, like a one-shot return of the character. Um, this is from longtime Spider-Man writer Dan Slott and artist Mark Bagley. The series launches in November. Again, lots of nerdiness happening this fall. Um 
Steve, you told people, I believe, Superior Spider-Man is the version of Spider-Man, which is Dr. Otto Octavius in the body of Peter Parker. Yes. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. Um, apparently, it was a shockingly good series for oh. a shockingly insane-sounding premise. Yeah, it was one that I, I had heard. no expectations for whatsoever and turned out to be quite solid. So. Yeah. Um, so I can't imagine that this is going to be... Was the original Superior Spider-Man run, did that take place in the main timeline of the Marvel Universe? Do you know? I don't believe so. Or was it? Oh, okay. It was a, okay. I think it was a sideways, uh, various other Earth. Okay. Because I can't believe that they would have, if he has to be in Peter's body. Oh, no. To... No, it, it did. Uh, it was a continuation of ASM, so. Huh. Okay. Okay. So it was mainline. Okay. I feel like that that does sound familiar to me. Um, because he was dead. Wasn't Peter dead? Yeah, and that's what ended up happening. Was there was some weird something or other? Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like after dying wish. Right. The whole thing went from there. Um, yeah. But I feel like this has to be in a separate continuity because they're not going to kill Peter again. And if he has to be in Peter's body to be the superior Spider-Man, unless he's going to find just like another young scientist genius with spider powers that we right. don't know about, <laughs> you know, Ben Riley's body or something. like, um, you know, I feel like it would be strange to, you can't have two Peter Parkers running around as Spider-Man. So I feel like it's got to be a different world, I guess. Yeah. One would think. Also, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. And it is Dan Slott, um, who some people love on Spider-Man and I have never been a huge fan of, but. Yeah, he's he very lands on Spidey. Yeah, so, he, I think, I he's very um, divisive yeah, writer. I one think. of my buddies kind of kind of brought it like he 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 told me or he mentioned or yeah he described to me that slot ends up being fine in hindsight every time and when you're reading it you're always like why what what's going on here but usually yeah. he brings it around so you know there's promise. All right, cool. And now I have to run for the dog again because, you know, this is why podcasting while you're uh, live podcasting while your wife's out of town is not a great idea. Hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> the dog cannot be trusted alone. Well, while Steve, um, again, hey, it's you and me. How you doing? Um, while Steve is uh, taking care of the dog, we're going to go through the Eisner winners. We talked about the nominees a few months ago when they announced them. Eisners are, you know, like the Oscars, but for comic books. And they are uh, announced, the winners are announced at a dinner at uh, San Diego Comic-Con every year. So these aren't the, these aren't all the categories. They're just kind of like hitting the big ones. Best writer went to James Tinian IV for Something's Killing the Children, House of Slaughter, Nice House on the Lake, Department of Truth, Sandman Universe, Nightmare Country, and other things. Those aren't even all the titles he was nominated for. That dude is busy. I don't know how he um, spins so many plates. At once. But congratulations to him because I love his work. Best writer slash artist went to Kate Beaton for a book called Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands. I've never heard of that, but must be great if she just won an Eisner. Um, best cover artist went to Bruno Redondo for Nightwing, a book that I love. Best penciler slash inker went to Greg Smallwood for Human Target. Very well deserved. Best lettering went to Stan Sakai for Yusagi Yojimbo. Best coloring went to Jordi Belair. 
a name I see all over the place. He works on Nice House on the Lake, Suicide Squad, and Miracle Man. Uh, best short story went to Finding Batman by Kevin Conroy and Jay Bone. This was a part of a um, and oh, de did, was it Detective Comics? 127 or something yeah it looked like an anniversary issue of 127 it was like a great anthology and kevin conroy the voice of batman the animated series batman um read a very heartfelt story about him um struggling in the industry as voiceover actor for a long time uh being an openly gay man in the industry and being um you know turned away and you know fired from jobs because of that uh, and then also finally getting the role of batman and how that changes life is a very great story if you can find a copy of it definitely worth reading and it is now oscar winning congratulations uh to the late great kevin conroy uh best single issue another book that i loved no no surprise for me that batman one bad day by tom uh riddler one bad day by tom king and mitch jarrett's got best single issue Best continuing series, Nightwing by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. Man, DC kind of cleaned up. Uh, best limited series, Human Target by Tom King, Greg Smallwood. Tom King really cleaned up too. Uh, best new series went to Public Domain by Chip Zdarsky. So those are um, a bunch of the Eisner winners. They are, the rest of the categories, nominees, and winners are all available online. And um, we're going to do some comics reviews right now, but Steve is still with his dog, so... We're going to jump to what's happening this week in your local comic book store. You got Amazing Spider-Man number 30. You got Avengers number three. You got Batman Beyond Neo-Gothic number one. Blade Runner 2039 number five. Cult of Carnage Misery number three. Daredevil and Echo number three. Deadpool number nine. Elvira in Monsterland number three. Ghost Rider number 16. Hollow's Eve number five. Incredible Hulk number two. A new batch of Night Terrors books. Night Terrors number two. Action Comics Night Terrors number number one. Detective Comics Night Terrors number one. Harley Quinn Night Terrors. Titans Night, Quare, Night Terrors. Man, becoming like a tongue twister saying it over and over again. Got a book called Poison Ivy Uncovered, number one. Don't know what that is, but she's been a real hot character lately, so uh, interested to check that out and see what that is. She-Hulk, number 15. Silk, number three. Star Wars Darth Vader Black, White, and Red, number four. This is a book that I've enjoyed, the two issues that I've uh, read very much so. Storm, number three. Uh, big book from DC, Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor, number one. Venom, number 23. And Hellfire Gala, 2023, number one. I like that the Hellfire Gala is going to seemingly become like a thing that happens every year, like an actual yearly gala. Yeah. Welcome back, Steve. Hi. How yeah. are we doing? Hi. I'm doing good. We talked about the Eisner winners. Um, I don't know if you had anything specific to say about that, but lots of love for Nightwing, lots of love for Tom King. Yeah. And I mean, James Tinian, Tinian as expected, one best writer for all the stupid good things he put out this year. Yeah. Yeah, last year. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I, I said when I was reading, it. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I I was I was said as I read it, I was not shocked at all that that um, one bad day Riddler book got best single issue. Like I was just, oh yeah, yeah, that clear. was phenomenal, <laughs> far and away <laughs> the winner. Um, but I had to skip while you were gone. I had to skip our comics review section. Ah, that's um, true. Yeah, so we got an advanced copy from funky town comics of a book called children of the comet we got different covers i got a completely blank 
uh, cover. Yep. Steve and got. I think you've got a different the, variant also. Mine is the P cover that has the uh, main character and narrator of your story on it. Yes. Um, this is. I had to look up information on this book because um, neither Steve and I had ever heard of it before. Um, it's from the pub, uh, publisher called Sumerian, which is another publisher I hadn't heard of. So definitely like an indie book. Uh, it's black and white. It is. I read it. Steve, I don't know what what like what did you think of this book? What were your thoughts first? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> My thought, well, it made more sense to me yep. when I looked it up and I realized that this book is uh, a sequel of sorts to two other series of books, one called You Promised Me Darkness, and okay. the follow-up to that series was called Follow Me Into the Darkness. And now this is taking place in the same world as those two stories and continuing characters from those two stories. Now that made a ton more sense to me after I read it because I was like, wow, they are really just dropping us into this <laughs> story. Okay. Yeah. And it starts like the first like two pages is uh, Sage's log. Sage is the main character of the book, seemingly. And uh, you know, if you're watching YouTube at home, you can see how much text there is in this first page and second page. And this is all basically like summarizing the events of the previous two series uh, and catching you up. Um, but it is a dense amount of information. <laughs> they go over yeah. a lot of characters. They go over a lot of stuff that happened. Like those first two series seems like they are packed with events. And then it jumps you in to picking up with these characters. Um, so I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't, I like, I liked this book. It was just, if you have read those other series, it's going to immediately make, you're going to be able, able to follow it along way okay. better, I think, um, having that advanced knowledge. It didn't necessarily entirely work for me not having a previous knowledge of this world or of these characters. Yeah, what you said kind of changed things a little for that, And that's why I was a little hesitant was like, I don't think it was bad. I thought the writing was a little clunky at times. Yeah. I did like the art to a degree. Again, wasn't quite sure what it fit, like what it was trying to be. Yeah. It was kind of like in between a couple different styles. So um, in general, I, I wouldn't call it a bad book by any stretch. It was just, oh, no. and especially within the, the context of what you said. Uh, yeah, like the full, yeah. Page, full page spread this was great. This is a great double page spread that I'm holding up. I don't know how well it's coming off. Yeah, it's coming through YouTube. clean. I, I like the art quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's all black and white. I think I mentioned it. It's like a little, um, it's not like super clean, uh, which is what right. I like. And um, I don't know, they just do like really creative things with like panels and like the lettering. Um, some of the lettering is kind of like inside and outside of panels or breaking panels in certain places that I, I thought was really cool. Um, so like, I think the look of the book is great. The design of it is really cool. Um, and some of the characters are really cool. It kind of reminded me of like Umbrella Academy a little bit. Um, it was where kind it's of just a, like, yeah, it was Umbrella Academy meets like Professor Xavier type, like Sage 100% is the Xavier character. Yeah. Uh, right. And that, so again, that a lot of my issue with the issue, there you go. <laughs> Um, yeah. was that first two-page spread of like, all right, I've got to read a novel to get up to speed on the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what you're saying like now makes sense with the, the continuation type thing. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't really I didn't get a great grasp of who they're fighting in this book. Clearly they call Somebody. them like Satanists or something. Yeah. Um I don't know if that's literal Satanists or a phrase that means something else in this universe. I'm not really sure. Um but like I feel like they got the the good guys across better than that. I don't I didn't understand why they were fighting these guys. Um but like Umbrella Academy or like Doom Patrol and just like these powers are just weird. Like this like characters are um, Sage is like an alien looking guy who looks like maybe he can teleport based on, or like he jumps into a different dimension at one point, it seems like, to rescue this kid. Um, but uh, there's um, a character named Miss Hattie who's, who they refer to her as a leather mummy who's kind of like in a gimp suit, but she like unzips her mouth and has this like black canary kind of sonic scream. Miss right. um, Cordelia black is like bolt. a half human. Yeah. What's that? Probably yeah, like black, black kind bolt, of, yeah. like seemed like yeah. they kept kept him under wraps for kept them under wraps right. for yeah. extreme circumstances. Uh, Miss Cordelia is like a half human, half eyeball kraken octopus monster, yeah. <laughs> which, which looks wild. Like that was super cool. There's also a chihuahua that shoots lasers out of its eyes. Um the whole premise, I guess, is that there is like every time Haley's comet comes around Earth, which is like once every like 75 years or something, um it gives some people on earth new powers. So there's like generations of people right. select people on what that end up with superpowers, but it's not like, you know, Earth's not swarming with them or anything. Cause it happens every one, every one every 75 years. And so those power people refer themselves as children of the comet, hence the title. Um, and again, I didn't, I liked this book. Yeah. I was just a little like, like I like this, but I don't really know what's going on. I don't, get the motivations for these characters because apparently I had to read two other things. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that like, it's good. Um, uh, I should say that it's, uh, did I say the, the names of the creators, uh, it was written by a guy named Damien Conley and, uh, drawn by, uh, Gabriel Kikot, Kikot, Kiko. I'm not sure how to say that last name. Um, but Hey, I'm not good. Everyone knows this is the show. I'm not great with any right. last name. So, um, that's falling right in line. But I think they're this is a, a talented creative team, but I don't know. I can't say that this is necessarily the a great jumping on point right. um, for the series. I I, I would recommend, based on this issue, like the premise is interesting enough and the background story is interesting enough that I feel like I would recommend reading You Promised Me Darkness and Follow Me Into the Darkness because that seems, and then jumping on to Children of the Comet, but I don't know that. Right, or even even this, if it got to a point where it came out in trade, where you got more than like the snippet oh, yeah. from the one issue i think yeah i think was a, a bit of an abrupt or rough jumping on point like i was kind of you know middle of the road on the book but i think with some more fleshing out it would it, it could grab me yeah even you know if i i could read issue two and be like oh now it's right. firing Things all, are all starting to now and, i'm in yeah yeah exactly uh random um, about sumerian um did you realize that they are apparently adapting Dillinger Escape Plan's One of Us is the Killer in graphic novel form? The band? Yeah. Yep. And the no. song is no. a graphic, apparently a graphic novel, novel from Sumerian. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. And there, cool. <laughs> uh, there's a limited edition vinyl press. Oh, dope. To go along with it. So, Man, that sounds like right up my alley. So there you go. Wow. Um, man, who would have ever thought to take a band and turn it into a comic book series and release exclusive music alongside that same weird 
Serious. I don't, know. I don't know if you saw the Easter egg over there. My but Easter egg back here. Two different my own question. Two covers over there for you. Oh, you got my, I'm on your shelf. You made oh, it to the shelf, I'm buddy. Oh, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Finishing this thing up with some one shots. Getting late over here. Mm-hmm. Um. I was very excited to read a headline that promised me an update on the Lando series that was announced by Lucasfilm in 2020. And we haven't heard anything since. But not really too much of an update, according once I read the article. Um, so for those of you who don't remember, in 2020, there was like a Disney investors call where they announced a ton of stuff, including some stuff that we've seen already, that we, sorry, that we have seen since then. Um, like the Obi-Wan show, I think, was announced then. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, that was all. Was it? Yeah, it might have been. I think it was. They announced a ton of this, the TV stuff. I think they announced and they definitely announced Andor at the same yep. time. Um, and like a season, a season two of Mandalorian or something. But anyway, uh, they announced a Lando show. And they just said Lando. And there was no other information. The graphic. And it looked cool. And right, that was the same. Um, like the graphic was basically the same as the Lando Comics uh, like tagline, mm-hmm. and that was all we saw. Yeah, uh, I immediately assumed that uh, this show would star Donald Glover as a younger Lando Calrissian, possibly bookended by Billy D as old Lando Calrissian. That would be my, my that would be my ideal. The show is oh, Billy D. Williams no. telling a story and then it flashes back to Donald Glover. I was going right? to say, we need, that's what we need is the Princess Bride yes. Lando style. Yep. Yes. Or it could be like, there's that scene in Solo when uh, he's like dictating his own mm-hmm. book or something. It could just be that. Like, it could be like him and there I was, trapped in the Battle of Canav or whatever. And then it flashes back to Donald Glover. You know, that's that's all we need. It'd be great. Battle of Tanab, please. Oh, Tanab, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just know the line. I didn't know Tanab. Okay, I thought it was a V. Okay. Now Maybe you know. Billy D. Williams should enunciate more. Probably also true. Uh, anyway, apparently this show had a showrunner. Sorry, has a showrunner. Um, because as lately, I think Kathleen Kennedy at this past year's celebration said that it was still happening. And um, Donald Glover recently said that, yeah, he's still interested in doing it. He just hasn't. You know, it's just not going anywhere yet. And he talks to Kathleen Kennedy every once in a while about it. So he's into it. Um, uh, the showrunners, uh, a guy named uh, Justin Simeon, who directed The Haunted Mansion that just opened this weekend, um, he apparently was the showrunner, named as the showrunner uh, when they announced And um, he was asked about it when he's doing press for Haunted Mansion. And he said, I certainly poured my heart and spent a lot of time working with them put together a really great show it feels like everybody loves it and you know i was told we had to put a pause on it because of scheduling and the next update i got was in 2020 some years ago so i don't know i have no idea what's going on with it so there's your lando update one he doesn't big know. nothing burger one big nothing yep uh steve i this next i can't remember if you said this on the podcast last week or you just said it after because we were talking about ninja turtles but I left this one shot for you mm. because 
either you said it already or you just said it to me off mic, <laughs> but about to say it again. Well, Nickelodeon is officially uh, getting the 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon back, uh, announced at Ooh. San Diego Comic-Con. Kevin Eastman of Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird fame uh, said yep. the show would be returning, quote unquote, soon, though no specific date was given. Now, I did not read the press release on it. Were they implying a uh, a X Men '97 type thing, or were they just implying that the original '87 shows were going to be available? So, oh, the yeah, what? Nothing. I was the conversation we had was that they weren't available when I was trying oh, to look right. them up for my son. I yes. couldn't find them anywhere, so we settled on the 2012 one, which is actually decent, but. Yeah. Um, The article that I took this headline from seemed to say that it was the original 1987 cartoon would be back on Nickelodeon. Okay. So I don't think it's a a a re like a legacy remake or something, a legacy sequel to that cartoon. I think it is just re-airing the actual thing, which you know, why not? Still awesome. I problem see my problem is i see that animation from the 80s and all i think of is animation from yeah. the 80s and it's like i wish there was a way that's they my, could dust it up a little that is my concern like will it still hit with audiences that have seen you know that have grown up watching pixar movies right <laughs> and stuff well, like, is I that showed uh when they when they put ewoks and droids on uh Disney, Disney Plus. Plus, I showed that to my son, and he was like, "I, I don't want to watch this. This looks like crap." Right, it looks <laughs> like crap. Yeah, I. Um, I mean, he didn't say that because he's five, but yeah, but he meant it. Yeah, yeah. it was the the rough <laughs> rough translation from speaking five year old. There was a a time when I don't know if it was around Halloween last year or something where, um, my son kept talking about Ghostbusters or something. Um, and I was like, oh, I, or we, or he and I talked about it or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I should see if I could find episodes of the old cartoon because yeah. he, that he'd be, he could watch those. And I found one on YouTube or something. And I was like, oh, this looks terrible. And it's like boring and stiff and yeah. not fun. He'll hate this. this so I'm not bad. even going to bother showing it to him. Yeah. It's almost like over the years we've gotten better at making animated shows. Yeah. And it's almost like. Yeah, yeah, we have. Because I, I think people don't look at them as a cash grab anymore. And so right. people actually try to make something good if they can. You know, and I feel like I was like, oh, Ghostbusters is popular. Let's get a cartoon in the bag and, you know, these idiot kids will eat it up. And we did because there was nothing else out there like that. Now we're just inundated with nerd stuff constantly, superhero right. stuff or adaptations or sequels to things that we used to love. So like we can't get enough of it back then it was just like one superhero-esque thing like i just watched this week i watched the rocketeer for the first time in so long and i remembered i was just like yeah this is not it's kind of a superhero movie but it's not really a superhero movie but this was the closest thing i had when i was nine or ten or whatever and i was just like i ate it up and like i didn't care if it was bad even right. even when I even when I got old enough to uh, care whether something was bad, when you're nine, you don't care. You can't tell if something's bad or not. You just love everything that you're watching. No, but I've like seen every, I, every episode of uh, Mickey Mouse Roadster Racers like 17 yeah. times now. So, yeah, I totally feel you. <laughs> 
Oh man. I'm glad my son has not discovered Mickey Mouse Roadster Racers. It sounds it's the thing. great. <laughs> it is a show. It has Mickey Mouse and crew in it. It's the best I can say. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, uh, you know, if it, even when I got a little bit old, old enough to know if I liked something or not, like if something was good or something was bad, I still would watch all like tangential superhero stuff because they just weren't making it. And it seems insane for me, for you know, somebody ten years younger than me, hearing me say that, they'll be like, "What are you crazy? That's all I've gotten my whole adult life is just nothing but superhero stuff." It's like, yeah, I know because they finally figured out that we were all right. Right. And that they should be adapting this stuff because the stories are great and the characters are amazing. And now that's all we have. Right. And unfortunately, so. they took it too far. <laughs> yes. Yes. Are. Now we're now the, the starting to tip the other way. Right. Unfortunately. Last pendulum. one shot we'll is there. just. Sorry. What? So it's a pendulum. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, last one shot. Just an update. Uh, it's a monumentous week at the movie theaters. Uh, this is Barbenheimer weekend. Unless you've been, um, you know, if, if you're not into movies, then I can understand you not knowing what this is about. But if you are someone that goes to movies at all or cares about them, then you've definitely heard about the Barbenheimer stuff. Barbenheimer is uh, people vowing to go see both Oppenheimer and Barbie the same weekend, two very diametrically different mm -hmm. films. Um, and it seems as though people did go to see both of them on the same weekend. Yeah, I, I I don't think it was ever a question of which movie was going to make more money because Barbie was clearly going to make more okay. money. It's PG-13, it's shorter, and it uh, appeals to a wider audience um, for sure. Uh, so Barbie has made 70.5, or made, sorry, $70.5 million its opening day, which is the best opening day of 2023, even more than Super Mario Brothers made. On 2023, Super Mario Brothers had a slow start, but then ended up, you know, blowing the doors off the box office. Um, it is now estimated to reach up to 161 million first weekend. Oppenheimer has opened to 33 million on its first day. It's projected to take home 77 million, so not nearly as much as Barbie, but you know, for a movie that is nearly three hours long and rated R, it's not bad. It's pretty good. That's already close to 100 million dollars. Pretty good for an R-rated movie. Um, yep. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, I can't go see either of these this week, hmm. and I wanted to go see at least one of them, and I don't think I can make it. My weekend is packed and almost over already. <laughs> it's tomorrow's yeah. Sunday, and I haven't gone, so. Yeah, and I don't well, think well. there's any chance I can sit through a three-hour movie in the theater. Yeah, I can, and I would love to see Oppenheimer in the theater. I would love to see it. Barbie, I want to see, see, the theater, I want to see but... both. Yeah, but um, I don't know if I can make it work. I might be too busy, but... Um, Congratulations to all of you that are pulling off a Barbenheimer weekend and going to see both. Um, I hope you dressed as pink as possible for one and as um, solemn as possible for the other one. I just can't imagine Oppenheimer's a feel-good, got a feel-good ending to it. I feel like that's a pretty intense three hours without a big sunshiny goodbye. Well, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure we know how it ends. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> one way or the other this well is... i think it's more about the guy though yeah i don't even know if they show the oh they the I'm, japan I've heard they well i know they at least show the tests but they show the test yeah i don't know that they show like hiroshima because there was a whole thing about how he recreated it and like it was all a yeah lot, it was all and practical that's... and 
that's part of the reason that I want to see it yeah. in the theater is that I feel like that's going to be like an experience to see. But like the, I can't the wait actual explosion, they keep one explosion. <laughs> yeah, true. Like that better be a damn good explosion. <laughs> like, I've seen yeah. explosions in movies before. You're telling me this is worth three hours of my time to get to this explosion? What if it just happens in like the first end of the first act, and then you just like got a drama on your hands for the next two hours? Right. All right. I've seen it. I can leave. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, that's good, I guess. But his characters better be really interesting. So, um. Yeah, congratulations to all you Barbenheimer people out there. You're doing the Lord's work. You gotta, you gotta think that. I mean, this wasn't planned. It wasn't planned that people would love the fact that these two movies are coming out on the same day. But it became like an internet meme. It became a whole thing, and these movies are making bank because of it. And especially in a summer that has been pretty uh, bad for box office, yeah, anything's, yeah. Um, these two are crushing it, and a lot of it is because like internet culture just latched on to the mere idea that they're coming out the same weekend. Like that's it. But I feel like you got to think that the pheno- the Barbenheimer phenomenon is desperately and clichely and uh, terribly already trying to be duplicated by studios. You got to think they're being like, well, when's the next? What? It- yeah, when's the next, uh, you know, Michael Myers Halloween movie coming out? What can we pair that is, you know, can we put right. Trolls World Tour 3 <laughs> or something like, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, they're good. I feel like it's, I feel like it's almost a guarantee that they will try to replicate this and yeah. it, they, and will fail. Yep. Sounds it right. won't be as hot as, cause it's happened naturally. I was going to say, it sounds like pretty much every other major studio decision. Right. Yeah. So, um, all right, we'll speaking, see. Speaking of, uh, I the trailer came out for it, so it was at the top of my mind, and I want your opinion on it. Uh, mm. Have you seen anything on the new Wonka? I heard the trailer came out, and I kept meaning to watch it, and I didn't. So, no. I've heard that, like most interpretations other than the original film, it missed understands that Willy Wonka is not the main character of that story. And he's the villain of that story. Right. And Charlie is the main character of that story. That's why it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. People right. forget that. Yes. Um, Charlie, so also my former veterinarian. Uh, oh. Yeah, he's a veterinarian in Loveville, New York. Wait, the guy that's playing Charlie? No, the guy that played Charlie in the original. Peter Ostrom. The, or- Peter the original Ostrom original is- with Gene Wilder? Yes. Really? Yep. Peter Ostrom <laughs> was awesome. my dog's vet growing up. That's awesome. Yeah. Small fact. He that's the only role he ever had. He went from vet to Cornell for vet school and then became a vet in Lawville. That's amazing. Yeah. I did not know that. There you go. Blowing my mind. You've learned something today. <laughs> uh have you seen the Wonka trailer? I did. And, and what do you think? I I don't know. It doesn't it looks absurd enough that it probably would be fun but also Mm -hmm. like you said misses the mark completely as to where wonka is and why he's where he is yeah like maybe i mean something else throws him like shows him from what this this seems like a very not happy-go-lucky but like optimistic wonka and like Mm. is there a turning point like where is the the twist in wonka that he turns into the crotchety old man and yeah yeah because like he's the villain yeah 
of Charlie and Chocolate Factory. He's the antagonist. Yeah. He's murdering children in his chocolate factory the entire movie. Yeah. And just because he gives Charlie the factory at the end of that movie, like, he's, I don't know, he's the bad guy. How do you not see that? He's not the main character. Charlie and the kids are the main character. Willy Wonka is like a character that pops, but, you know, it's like a, this is a radically different genre of movie that I'm comparing it to, but it's like, um, like studios misunderstood why people loved Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. And yeah. so the sequel to Silence of the Lambs is about that one character who's not the main character of Silence of the Lambs. Right. And he's a great character, but like Hannibal, completely less interesting movie immediately. Mm-hmm. Of the, yeah. So anyway. And then Red Dragon was even worse. I kind of like Red Dragon. Yeah. To be honest with you. I think it does. It's, it's like a far enough removed like that f- it. Well, it's like a fun popcorn version of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, okay, I'll give you, you that. Mean? Yeah. It kind of like gives you the dynamic of Silence of the Lambs that you want, that you missed in Hannibal. Right. I guess, you know what I mean? Yeah. Ed, Ed Norton's in it, and he's good. But still, like, nothing can touch Silence of the Lambs. And Silence of the Lambs is a masterpiece, yeah. What that did, so good. it's like, it, it, again, like you said, off misunderstood. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Well, if, if we're talking about Silence of the Lambs, we must be out of things to talk about. <laughs> at least, as, at least that concern nerdy news that came out within the past week, because that movie is very old. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I think we're done. Besides our Secret Invasion recap that we're going to do um, after this, but I can't think that it's going to be too long. So I'm tired. No, I think I'm with you. So uh, if right. you're not sticking around, then feel free to like, subscribe. If you're sticking around too, do it. But uh, feel free to like, subscribe, check us out on YouTube, uh, review us in your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review, five stars, please. It helps the algorithm, you know, find other people that would like us. Uh, check us out. Um, yeah, anywhere you can find the multiverse report be it socials be it uh at the dot com of the same name or at the uh gmail.com email address that uh, you can write us long form things at that's right and uh if you are watching or if you were watching uh you should know that we usually do this on sunday night this is a uh scheduling um issue (laughs) this is called the summer where we have too many things going on lots of things happening so we couldn't do uh tomorrow Normally, when we do, we can't do a Sunday, we do a Monday, but I can't do Monday either, so Saturday night. So you can join us every Sunday night, except tomorrow night, (laughs) on YouTube around 930. Um, And until then, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the multiverse.